been an 8-3 run for the Toronto Raptors, but that doesn't mean there's not controversy. Of course, Nick Nurse last week. Some comments. Unprompted. And then on the weekend, didn't want to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Nick Nurse's future with the Raptors and more with our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter at Yahoo Sports and author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Good morning, Jake. Thanks for coming on. Morning, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good, and the Raptors are on a nice little run now. They can't solidify eighth just yet because Atlanta keeps winning, but it's been a nice little run and probably the best run of the season uh, from Toronto, but it's clouded a little bit by what we heard last weekend uh, with Nick Nurse. Uh, I guess the question is like, how precedented is this? Like, uh, you don't, we don't normally see this, but you know, coaches exchange hands. There's drama in the NBA all the time. Like how, how shocking is uh, the fact that Nick Nurse came out with this, that there might be some back channeling already to set him up for his next job that the Toronto Raptors maybe want to move on. What's your take on the uh, Nick nurse situation as it happens now? I think it's definitely newsworthy. I don't know how shocking it is being that, you know, the three head coaching posts that are kind of the most whispered about right now in league circles from current coaches to coaches who are sitting on the sidelines looking to get back in. They are Toronto, Detroit, and Houston. And you look at, you know, obviously nurses' comments like Greg we're talking about right now, but even in Detroit where we've got Dwayne Casey kind of making pretty obvious comments about next year and next season. And, and by, by all accounts, he's got one year left on his own contract. And he's starting to kind of put it's, – it's the opposite of what nurses said, but he's starting to put hooks in the water about, you know, maybe – kind of guaranteeing his presence on the sidelines in Detroit next year when some people aren't so certain about that. So I don't think it's completely out of left field, but it's it's definitely interesting and it's definitely something that, you know, it's worth talking about. I guess the difference with Nick Nurse is that he has fully, fully endeared himself to a fan base. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, he's walking on water because he brought this team in this city a championship that, you know, we've been waiting for for a very, very long time and he's, you know, Canada basketball's new coach. He's doing acting gigs. He's on stage with local bands. Like he's, he became a guy that became almost like, oh, you're going to be here for a real long time. You're going to be our basketball guy. So I think the, the, you know, the optics internally or in Toronto are different than they are externally. So how is Nick Nurse viewed as a simple coaching asset in league circles? Yeah. I mean, go back to last year to, to continue off your point and, and get to this answer where, you know, when, when Masai Ujiri is asked about the Lakers' purported interest in, in Nick, Masai saying he, he dreams of Messi and Kobe and he dreams too, right? So we're, we're only a year removed from all that. But that also goes to the point of how, you know, commodified he is as a coaching candidate. There, then this is a big if because to go back to the overall, you know, theme of, of this discussion of like what the future will be, it doesn't, I mean, I would be surprised if there's a definitive answer on both sides here. It's just, it's too early. Like the Raptors are on a great stretch. Like you're talking about who's to say they can't make a play in tournament run and make some noise as a seven or an eight seed and, and, and move things forward. And all of a sudden things change, you know, Mike Budenholzer was supposed to get fired before the Bucks won the championship. You know, the, there's so much that can always change. It can be undetermined, but if he were to reach the open market, just like he was a, you know, theoretical target for the Lakers, 
there's there's definitely a strong belief around the league that that Nick Nurse would have plenty of opportunity elsewhere, whether it's immediately next season or something down the line. He's going to have plenty of interest, and he's going to be considered one of the top coaching candidates, probably you know for the foreseeable future until he ever you know is off the market again. In theory, if he ever were to become a, a quote unquote free agent, if you will. We had Tim Bontemps on a couple weeks ago and something he said really stuck with me and just like, uh, you know, uh, based on the performance of the Raptors, like 10 years being a really good team for 10 years is really, really difficult. Like the league is made up so that you can't be good for that long. And the Golden State Warriors are such an anomaly because they have been good for so long. And I think we can apply 10 years to a lot. Uh, Nick Nurse is in his 10th year with the organization and it just feels like, yeah, there's an expiration date on everything. And is that just the reality of the NBA? It's really hard to build something in a uniform direction, especially with salary cap mechanics and how ultimately you're just never going to be able to keep the same roster together as guys have to get paid. I mean, the rappers have seen that over the last five, six years with, you know, the iterations of changing uh, DeMar for Kawhi and having to move out Norm Powell for Gary Trent before that contract came into play and, all the stuff that was an undercurrent throughout the trade deadline with um, Fred Van Vliet's option and Gary Trent's option and John Nobody's contract coming up in 2024, which um, maybe we can talk about with the new CBA stuff and the 120% versus the 140%. So you're right. It it is so challenging to keep a group together for for that long of a period. And and winning is the ultimate – denominator that that usually can springboard and support an entire franchise moving in one direction like that for so long um but also i mean the the coach front office dynamic is one of the most um peculiar i'd say relationships in in this entire business where the, the coaching staff in the front office has to kind of be you know an extension of one another to a certain extent but while they are teammates from the larger perspective of an organization, they're also kind of not. There's typically, you know, it's 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 a common thread around the league where coaching staff or a head coach wants something to be done in the roster construction, and the front office has a different idea. And then when pressure gets on a lead executive, which is not the case in Toronto, I would say, but just generally, like the head coach is typically the easiest lever for an executive to pull in order to save his own position in order to keep himself, you know, uh, floating above water and to deflect, you know, any potential pressures that come down the pipeline. So it is a pretty interesting dynamic. I think from top to bottom where all the you know, basketball is an egalitarian sport where it's meant to be five guys and a coaching staff and a front office all moving together, but it is a competitive industry and, who gets credit and responsibility for success and failures ultimately can cause rifts and change you know, faces and uniforms. And it's, it's definitely a rarity to have a whole entire unit together for such a long period of time. We're speaking to Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter at Yahoo Sports. Now, naturally, if we're talking about maybe Nick Nurse's future with the Raptors um, on the uh, end um, of his time here, uh, Ime Udoka has been, you know, at least circled here with the Raptors for quite a few years. Uh, Played second to Nurse five years ago. Um, He's been obviously waiting for another opportunity to get into the coaching, head coaching gig. Um, Is it time for that to happen? Do you know any more particulars about what happened um, with the Boston Celtics? 
Celtics and if he is a realistic candidate to step into a head coaching role maybe this offseason? I think he's a realistic candidate to step into any head coaching role this offseason, just being that he was definitively Brooklyn's top choice when they fired Steve Nash um, back in the fall until you know a lot of pressures externally and from the league office, I believe, as well, um, about the short turnaround from whatever did occur in Boston. And, and to that aspect, I don't think anyone's going to truly learn more than what we've learned publicly that wasn't directly involved in that situation, just being that it is highly sensitive and highly personal, and the Celtics have done a pretty – uh, stalwart job, I guess I'll say, and trying to keep that in house, which it is an interpersonal matter, right? This isn't a trade talk where we've got, you know, a player making $18 million being discussed, but a player making $19 million. And it's just about a change of location. And, you know, they're sure they got to uproot their families and put their kids in a new school somewhere different and maybe in a different country if they're getting traded from Toronto to a different place or vice versa. I think this is a little bit more of a of a personal matter there. Um, but, I mean, Atlanta very much considered Ime Udoka before they went after Quinn Snyder. And he took the Celtics to a championship in, in his first year um, after being one of those guys like Darvin Ham and like Dick Nurse before them who was considered to be, you know, one of the next head coaching candidates. Uh, you know, Udoka had a lot of interviews before he finally got the Boston job. And he, he passed with flying colors before you know the off-court stuff ended up derailing his tenure there, though. So, I mean, the league can be pretty forgiving at times when it comes to a talent and someone who is considered to be you know, a real franchise changer in terms of winning. I mean, look what happened with how quickly John Morant has gotten back onto the court in Memphis. I'm not comparing the two situations at all, but um, I, I, I think that, with Udoka's return to coaching, it, it might be more of a, a thing of, of optics and uh, and just time and you know a passage of of narrative and public opinion before he gets back in, into the coaching ranks more so than people on the league respecting what he's capable of doing from day one if he were to get a new job. What makes him such a hot commodity? Like, why is he so highly touted as a coach? Is there something that you could see him, let's say, with the Raptors being able to to turn this team around? A lot of young talent. Um, what's the what's the attraction for him as a head coach? What he's really credited for, and this is kind of a new like theme, I would say, amongst coaching candidates in today's player empowerment era, where teams want a lot of. Definitely former players. You know, look at Darvin Ham in L.A. I mean, last big coaching cycle we had um, when Eme did get hired in Boston, you had Rick Carlisle go to Indiana, Jamal Mosley to Orlando. Uh, a lot of former players that Chauncey Billups in Portland, that same uh, hiring cycle, who are you know credited for being able to really relate to players, to really be able to hold them accountable while also lift them up and, and understand their perspective. Um, and Ime had that relationship in Boston with Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart dating back to Team USA days. You know, he's a Greg Popovich disciple, and obviously Pop has been running Team USA basketball for a little while until Steve Kerr will take over here, and there's a lot of Spurs influence on that coaching staff. Um, and remember, Boston was the 11th seed late January last year before they put together an incredible run all the way to the regular season and into the finals. And from assistance on Udoka staff in Boston to players to front office people I've talked to there, 
they just all had a pretty similar theme to talk about Ime about how he's able to just look players in the eye and get the best out of them that maybe someone who isn't as confident walking into you know a room full of players who are, they're, they're looking to sniff out BS. They're looking to find baloney and, and, and not take a coach seriously. And he's apparently someone who's really a good job of kind of holding that composure and, and like the line of fire there. All right, Jake, we got to ask you about the new CBA because I know you've been covering it uh, quite extensively and it is a bit uh, tricky to break down. But in terms of some of the new um, few key items that are added this year um, into the new seven-year collective bargaining agreement, what should fans know or keep an eye out for some wrinkles or some things that may affect um, either a viewing experience or, or the way the teams are handling this? Yeah, I stopped by the union yesterday and I think it's important to note that like they're still putting together the term sheet and the players will still need to all review that before it gets ratified. So a, a lot of the stuff that's come out publicly so far has kind of been like half of the context uh, behind rules and whatnot, and we, we don't have the full details yet. But the thing I'll say that I've definitely heard about that I believe to be one of the more consequential things is the fact that players are going to all have to be required to go to the combine and submit to medical testing, which has been mm. something that, agents have fought against for years where they think it allows them to kind of help steer their clients to certain teams in the draft where, you know, if you're representing Joel Embiid back in 2014, he's got this foot issue that could potentially derail, you know, two plus years of his career like it did. Um, and you, you want to withhold his information from certain teams you don't want to go to. That's kind of been one of the oldest tricks in the book from an agent perspective of trying to, navigate your clients to particular markets you want to. It doesn't always work. Like I know the Memphis Grizzlies took Jaron Jackson to force without having access to his medical. Um, and there's going to be some interesting wrinkles where I, I do believe only teams at the top of the draft are going to be uh, had direct access to all that stuff for top prospects. And what happens if, you know, a team trades up, like when, when the Raptors had the fourth pick that ended up being Scotty Barnes, like obviously they were kind of, shopping that around and seeing what that could have gotten them back before they ended up staying pat. Like if a team trades up into the top three on draft night, are they going to have access to that medical info? There's still some, you know, like, like I said, there's still some more context to learn, but that's been a big, I think, uh, pressure point between the league and the union in, in years past. And the fact that the league seems like, seems to kind of have won that uh, negotiating point. I think it could have, uh, real ramifications on the draft process moving forward. We're seeing one of the most fascinating MVP races of all time, I think, right now with Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Nikola Jokic trading blows, it seems, on a night-to-night basis. I think if the pendulum swung last night, it swung in the favor of Joel Embiid, who had a 52-point double-double. When you look at these three candidates right now, how do you split hairs? I think it's pretty simple to me. Giannis is the best player on the best team. Embiid is... The league's leading scorer, he's arguably the most dominant offensive presence as he's putting up 50 and 40 and 40 and 30. I mean, he's been averaging 30, almost 35 points for the second half of the season. And if you watch that Boston game last night, he's probably the, the only real reason why Philly is even remotely at the top you know, tier of the Eastern Conference. No, no disrespect to James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, but and B just brings it on such a consistent level. But to a different degree... Like Jokic doesn't have, I, I would say, you know, even re- remotely the same firepower that you've got in like Phoenix and LA and 
you know, Golden State went healthy, and he's he's led Denver wire to wire in the Western Conference, and he's had Jamal Murray deal with injury, you know, and, and having like not exactly a linear return from his torn ACL. Michael Porter has been out of the in and out of the lineup. Their their defensive stoppers are contagious. Call up Pope and Aaron Gordon, who aren't exactly like lockdown guys, and he's just. I mean, he, he, Jokic is the, the the offensive engine that I hear opposing scouts and opposing coaches just talk about how difficult it is from like a schematic standpoint to, to guard him, even though and B is a dominant force. So they've all got a great case. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, it, it unfolds. Vote. Well, I I personally don't have a vote. I don't want a vote. I think it's a little tricky that we got to somehow remain objective here, and then we have a responsibility that could end up impacting these guys' contracts. Um, but I understand why the league has these accolades and how they end up defining these guys' careers. Uh, we're partial to the beam team on this show, and the Sacramento Kings yes. uh, won the division last night. I-, I wonder, in your opinion, can, are they more than just a good story? Like, can they do some damage out west? I'm partial Sacramento, too. I flew out there early November because um, I, I kind of believed in what they were building, and I-, I wanted to be one of the first people to get on the ground and tell their story. and. Look, they've got the greatest offense of NBA history right now. That's what it is. Like statistically, they have the most efficient scoring attack the league has ever seen. It's just going to come down to the defense. And if you want a reason to believe in them, they've played so many close games, especially on the road, and they've figured out ways to get stops when they've needed it. And that's kind of really what the key is. They know they can outscore anyone. They literally can. It's been proven statistically. Can they get a stop here and a stop there in the fourth quarter when the game is on the line that can propel them forward. I think they've got experience doing it. Can they do that round after round? That's going to be the question. Did you get to see them light the beam? Oh, I did. Oh, it's a dream come true. The beam literally goes into outer space and it goes further than the eye can see. It is a sight to behold. Wow. Justin here, my co-host, got me a tiny little beam for Christmas. <laughs> it's like a little baby beam and I like the beam here in Toronto. I hope it adds to uh, the, the solar system of beams. It does uh, not go no, out of the atmosphere. It's, it's a nice gesture. Um, Jake, one, a couple last ones for you here. Um, I know you're the author of Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever. So speaking of tanking, who's tanking the best? Like who's got, who's got it down to a pact here and they're close to the big women Yama sweepstakes? I mean, the Rockets are set to be the first team in NBA history that's had the worst record in the league in three straight years. That's like, awful. we've never seen that before. As much as <laughs> Sam Hankey Sixers have, you know, they, they were so noteworthy that they ended up sparking, you know, changing the lottery odds altogether. And I think it was a big impact in introducing the play-in tournament. They were never the worst team in the league for three years. But Oklahoma City Thunder have never been the worst team in the league for three straight years. Who's to say how hard it will be for Houston to build out of that? Because I Mm. think that's kind of the key to tanking, right? It's that you're using it as a springboard to get better more quickly than you would if you were just lingering, you know, in the middle of the league. That'll be a real challenge. But getting a guy like Victor Wembanyama would, in theory, be the easiest pass forward that we might have ever seen. What's the best fit for him, like franchise-wise, um, already like core team members that he would play against, or is he just that good that it doesn't really matter? He'll he'll have a prolific year, uh, career nonetheless. I'm thinking about it from like a macro perspective and that if this guy really is what he's built to be, we kind of need him from a league standpoint 
in a pretty good situation, a stable situation that's got you know, proven leadership and player development. And to me, that's San Antonio. I mean, how poetic would it be for him to get with Greg Popovich for Pop's first or, or, or second to last year and kind of start recreating the Tim Duncan effect that they had there you know, almost 30 years ago, which is crazy to say. Um, and, I mean, Charlotte would be really interesting with LaMelo Ball, but that franchise is in a bit of a disarray, I'd say, with the potential changeover in ownership, and they don't exactly have a lot of uh, financial backing from hiring strong front office staff members. To, to you know, they, They've traditionally been one of the cheaper organizations in terms of paying front office and coaching staff. Houston just has a ton going on there, like we were talking about, and they've got – very undisciplined offensive attack right now. And I, I wonder how challenging that could be to really support him with not exactly like a, a, you know, a real floor general involved there. The Spurs don't have a point guard really yet either, but it just seems like they've got more of an infrastructure in place. Detroit would be probably the place that um, really could take him and have a massive leap forward with the fact that they've got a ton of lottery talent already that they're, they're not, you know, where Orlando is right now in terms of making real strides and trying to be a competitive team or the fact that their GM for a Weaver is sending out apology letters to the fan base, but they've got Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and down the list of other lottery-type prospects where maybe there could be a, a strong success there. But I think San Antonio would be the, 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 really, the healthiest overall situation for him. All right, well, a race to the top and a race to the bottom. Uh, appreciate you breaking it down with us, especially the CBA as well. Um, hopefully get to chat with you when the playoffs are in full swing. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. That's Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter at Yahoo Sports, and as we mentioned, author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, unquestionably, Nick Nurse did a pretty good job with Scotty Barnes, right? Like, maybe not perfect. Maybe the second year fumbled a little bit. Maybe too much on his plate. I don't know how much that is, Nick Nurse. But I wonder if he's the best guy to shepherd in Victor Wembayama. I wonder if it matters at all, though. It would be quite the coup for him if he did leave, get that big money deal that <laughs> he may not be getting, at least for another term with the Raptors. And, and then land him. Victor Wembayama, yeah, that would be a pretty good, good spot. Pretty good offseason, If not, I, think. I mean, there's going to be a good player regardless going to Houston, but they don't have much there. Three years in a row, worst team in the league. That I is mean, rough. after seeing Charlotte twice in four it's, days. It's hard to fathom, I right? I can't do it's it. Hard, <laughs> it is hard to fathom that there's been a team worse for longer than the Charlotte Hornets. That's crazy. But I guess it's been worse since... Uh, Good old LaMelo ball got injured. All right. We're going to have in the studio, the golf guy, Sam McKee and Brent Gunning joining us on the other side of the break. We have some masters odds to run through. Of course, we'll do our wake and rake parlay as well. We got women's worlds, Raptors, Celtics, which we just teed up on a back-to-back, both of them on a back-to-back though. So play that as you will. And Jays and Royals with Alec Manoa on the mound. All of that to tee up on the other side of the break. And you have a bone to pick with Brent Gunning. I'll let you have it. I do have a bone to pick with Brent Gunning. All right. Wake and rake next. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. All right, welcome back to the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan 
Justin and Ailish, joined by Sam McKee and Brent Gunning, host of the Golf Show, which I listened to on Saturday at 9 a.m., folks. I'm getting all teed up here. It's a big week ahead. Welcome, guys. We got you some treats as a thank you gift. One of us partook. I did have one. Okay. Don't love eating before 10 or 11. I never really... Really? What's, yeah. what's wrong with eating before we 10 or 11? I don't that know, way. I like it. I like it maybe on the weekend, maybe, but during the week, I'll just have like a shake or something. I don't like eating before before noon. Big Fair bagel enough. guy over here. Bagel. Yeah, say uh, it funny, but I oh, like to eat Oh, here them. we go. The text line will be fired up. Bagel, bagel. Yeah. When I went oh, is that school, a thing for you guys? Well, when I went to school in the States, it'd be like, what? Say that again. And everyone like, yeah, I say it this way or I say it Wait, that. how do you say it? I say uh, bagel. I can't. This is giving me PTSD. I, I, I know it's bagel, but I can't say it. Okay. I, I okay. like commonly, right. if I'm doing it fast, I'll bagel? say bagel. Bagel? How do bagel. I say it? Bagel. Do I say it correctly? Isn't it bagel? bagel. Okay, but now we're just doing like... Uh, See, it's like milk. Like people say milk, get out. That's different than bagel, bagel. Way different. But you know there's people that say milk. Who? Like Malkin. Um, somebody's going to text in and say, yeah, just probably the people you went to school with. Yeah. Probably the Americans, Americans you went to school with. Send them yeah. to a country home. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> it's too late now, but I would have. Um, all right, guys, so Master's Week. Hold on, hold on. I got a bone to pick with guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, these, are the, these are the golf guys. Oh, I got yeah. the golf guys dirty. in the studio. I did them dirty. You did me I mean, I mean, I don't know how a golf guy does not pick Corey Connors. Last week, we have our FanX Cup. I'm looking <laughs> to make up ground. I'm down $1,000. Ouch. A- Ailish has... <laughs> Ailish doesn't. I don't know who went first on the he Canadian. Went first. It was one me. Canadian. I went first. So I mean, you deserve a lot of criticism as well. Maybe I you're did. being nice, but Corey Connors has won the Valero Texas Open before, and we pick one Canadian each, and no one picked Corey Connors. He so was like borderline the betting favorite. He was borderline exactly. the betting favorite. Sometimes he gets nervous <laughs> about the, the betting favorite. McKee, you bet a lot of golf. Uh, How often does the betting favorite come through and win? I bet a shockingly not that big amount of golf. Okay. It's just the it's just the majors well, it's I bet on. This is getting inside just our yeah. friendship, but it's because Co-Crack left to live, so you yeah, have nothing yeah, yeah, left. Yeah. That's my only, that's you, my can't, only you can't bet Co-Crack anymore, I so what's even better than live? Look, I was hoping for a storyline, our boy Nick Taylor winning, injecting himself into the Masters. I was trying to get a little positive juju so i would like to formally apologize to you but hey betting golf is hard this is what i always tell everyone i accept okay. I mean, it's but, really hard i mean Corey connors we should be picking him every week for this pretty much because we have five we have teams well, of five I, each what, what, like i get taylor Pe- taylor pender through the other one yeah, yeah. Nick taylor. i think we picked those uh, yeah, yeah. had some moments but Valero, Texas Open, Corey Connors. Hey, maybe show up and don't take a week off and you can pick whoever you want. That's fair. Wow, took a week off? Yeah, he went to Costa Rica last week. Yeah, no I, comments about you. I was, I was a week off. You took a week off, too. I went to Arizona. Both of them. Oh, oh, Johnny. Yeah, you're a week here, off, right? Johnny, okay? No comments from either of you about vacation. <laughs> anyway, yes, we dropped the ball. No problem. We just want to keep it competitive for the Masters. Okay. Yeah. So, I'd like to have a lead heading into the Masters, but... You could have done something in the week that I wasn't here if you wanted to leave. It was a struggle. You wouldn't have had a lead because my odds were still better, were they not? There, Corey Connors was not shorter than 10 to 1 oh, I thought it was last like week. There's no plus chance. 600. No, he was, I was, no was going to say it's probably like 14, 14 or 15. Okay, yeah. so yeah. nonetheless, it's still 1,000 to 0 for Ailish. Right. So <laughs> let's run through. Obviously, you're here to talk about the Masters. I love the hat. Gunner's got the Masters hat on today. Which you can only get Nike, at Augusta, right? This, that. Oh, this is another Stol- point. Stolen Valor. Yeah. Oh, uh, we've got it. We've got. I've got a hat that my buddy bought me. Okay. Uh, he got that bought to uh, by Ben Ennis, right? Correct. And uh, JD Bunkus was really pissed off about it. He doesn't even like golf, but he wanted a hat. <laughs> oh, of course he does. Um, so there's no way I was not wearing this in. I may or may not have texted a very prominent golf writer um, in Canada, Adam Stanley. 
to hey, buy me on the show tomorrow. Yeah. his spectacular guy text him to buy me a master's rope hat this week i don't i just said a non-green yes. master's rope hat so do what you will and then gunner i did what i do in all <laughs> golf related things i said uh can i get in on that you, you hopped in on my shamelessness <laughs> yes. and uh mm-hmm. away we sent we went. a little e-transfer yeah yeah yeah, yeah get yeah. us one i'm sure uh, hey no ideas poor stanley's no. gonna be in there he's gonna cover the golf tournament he's gonna be grinding at the merch tent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's like somebody but I was in line. He's I like, have you it. seen how busy this place is? He's like, I've been in line for two hours. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Masters. Mm. Um, what's the what's the way you guys prep for this? Because I, I don't. My whole the, life. I don't yeah. do this as, as, as much as you do. As soon as Masters Sunday ends, I start prepping for the following Masters. Mm-hmm. I just, there's this is my Super Bowl. This is Gunner Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is the best weekend in golf of the year. Mm-hmm. It's just, I look forward to it all year. The pomp and circumstance. Every little thing about it. I eat up, mm-hmm. so I'm just been pre- I've been preparing my whole life, Alish, uh, for this. No pressure. No is, pressure. Uh, so Scotty Scheffler, obviously defending champ, mm-hmm. is it his to lose this time around again? I think with this, I mean, if you look at it, a betting, an outright betting favorite hasn't won outside of DJ since I think Tiger in 05. So it's his to lose. But like we said about favorites in golf, it's so hard for them to come through. If you would ask me this question a month ago, I would have said Rory. If you would ask me this question six weeks ago, I would have said John Rahm. But right now, Scotty Scheffler, far and away, hottest player on the planet, has a recent win, even at the match play, performed really, really well there. So yeah, Scheffler is the, there's a reason he He's the betting favorite heading into this because he's far and away the best guy on the planet right now. It's just so hard to look at a seven to one within a golf tournament mm-hmm. with all these incredible players and be like, I'm going to go seven to one. Like, you can so get a, tough. Get a hockey parlay better than that. Like, yeah. a lot of nights. It's weird. <laughs> Every what's day gonna, awake, yeah, yeah. Like, that's pretty just, much in that it's range. Just yeah. Seven to one. Like, for Scheffler, it's one thing. For Rory, it is absolutely insane. That is just the old Tiger thing yep. where they'll put out like the most popular golfer. They'll be like, hey, bet these really, really short odds, and everyone's like, I want him to win, so I'll bet with my heart. So for him, it's a little bit crazy. But Rom's, Rom's in that camp, too. Uh, like, he's 9-1, to one, but I, I could see him, you know. So anyways, he got sick. This, he got sick. Just I think a lot of people will be looking at Rom. He got yeah. sick of the players, and he hasn't finished in the top 30 since he played a tournament. So, you know, the Masters is a different animal. Guys mm-hmm. find their field. Mm-hmm. But for if you're looking for kind of form heading into it, for a guy at that short of odds, yeah. uh, it's quite the vig to pay. So you mentioned the top three, Scheffler, uh, Rory, and Rom, and mm-hmm. then there's a pretty big jump until a four. Mm-hmm. Like, how big is the, the difference between top three and the rest of the field? Like, would you pick, if I gave you the top three or the field, where would you be going with Oh, I'd take the field all day yeah. in this. I, again, just another, oh, you disagree. Sammy doesn't. I just think it'd be dumb to bet against Scheffler. I, 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 if you're gambling on this, and you, obviously you want to win, but you also want to have a horse at the end of the race, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to be going into Sunday with a chance to win your bet. To me, Scheffler's going to be in the, you know, couple final groups yep. on Sunday. So you're going to, you're going to lay the really short odds or whatever. You can maybe have to put a couple extra shekels on it to mm-hmm. make it worth your while. But like, I'm, I think you would smart money would take the field because you just got more golfers. Mm-hmm. But like, I really do Scotty think Scotty Scheffler is going to be in the conversation at the end on Sunday. Well, in terms of putting a bet, like putting your bets together, I think that is such a good way to go about it is like, look, we can go through all the minutia. There's a lot of top twenties. I like top tens, but I think the most fun thing to do, obviously than betting the winner is to have a guy that mm-hmm. you are all but certain is going to be in the mix. And when you just look at those three guys that have such short odds, it's so much more likely it's Scheffler than it is Rory versus Rom. So that's why I, if you're going to bet one of those, it's him, but yeah, still give me the field all day. Winner almost comes out of that, like plus a thousand to 3000 yeah. range. So what's the bet for someone who wants to cheer for Tiger Woods this weekend? Make the cut. 
That's the bet. Yeah. Tiger Woods make the and cut. Is that a good bet? I think it is. I think it's a fair bet. I'd like to see what the numbers are at. That is a that's one where you should really shop around. That's a lot of books be, might be trying well, to you know, a super dangle the carrot for you. Big yeah. time. That is a super, super popular bet that a lot of people are gonna jump on. You throw them in like a top twenty bet or something like that. It's it's asking for trouble. So I think if you want to be a tiger person, you want to be invested, you want to be part of the party, tiger to make the weekend. That's your that's your best bet there. So the live factor. It's uh, in terms of just viewing, <laughs> Larry, not betting. Larry it's, live it's, over here. It, <laughs> Larry live, live, laugh, love, baby. There you go. It's it's as big. Like they're not playing into it, right? So we saw the the you know the pairings coming out and the, and the groups coming out. It's Boring. not like they're putting DJ with Rory. They're not Come doing on. that. They're kind of keeping things cool but things can only be cool for so long because come the weekend uh they don't get to select who plays with who mm-hmm. uh are these guys going to be outclassed in this tournament or do you spe- expect the live guys to actually put up a good performance you go I, first i think that it's hard to replicate pga tour competitiveness like with the cuts and with four rounds and all that but i do think that the top guys on live all played really well at augusta like you look at Cam Smith, who's always in the mix at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Kepka, always in the mix at Augusta. Reed, who mm. would be every golf person's nightmare if he won. <sighs> like the the chaos would ensue if he was in the final pairing on Sunday. It's just I really want that to happen. It would just be a dream to see how everyone would just be a little scared. Mm-hmm. And then you look at DJ, who's won at Augusta and is always in the mix as well. So like I don't think you know under those four guys, I don't think there's much of a chance. For any of the other guys, like I like I really have a hard time picturing it. But I do think those guys all play really well at Augusta. And listen, it's one of those courses where, you know, there's always the same sort of guys that are around the top of the leaderboard. You think of like Justin Rose, who always is around mm-hmm. there. You think of these kind of guys, it's like I would not be surprised to see a live guy of those four in the mix at some point. Yeah, it's Cam Smith and DJ are the two that I think are are the most uh, for, well from my perspective concerning. But mm. if you're if you're uh, Larry Live over here, you're you're live laughing it up. Uh, Patrick Reed, I'm a little less I'm a little less bullish on. I just think he doesn't quite have the pop those other guys do. If you get a lot of rain, you won't have the rollout that could potentially impact mm. him there. But you, Cam Smith, there's no reason to think he won't be around, even if the first round doesn't go the way he wants. And it's oh wow, there's no music on the range. Uh, someone yelled at me. This is kind of weird. I don't like any of this. Even even if there's people in the toe. gallery, there's people here. What's going on here? Even if that stuff throws him off kilter, he has more than enough game and he's shown it recently enough there. DJ, again, it's just he has played there so well. Mm-hmm. The win, you know, me and you. Lime McKee, green jacket. But, yeah, we love to joke. It's the lime green. It's yeah. half a major. Nobody yeah. was there. It was during COVID. But even in the other ones, he's handled himself really, really well there. On the other side of things, you know, I think you look at a guy like Bryson, who has not been around this circus for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what his number is to miss the cut for the weekend you is know it, that's, I, I have already been he's okay, my so. least was, isn't he coming la- I think it was Ugh. like plus 140 well he like he tempted the golf gods when he said that Augusta should be a par 66 or whatever he called yeah. it and then he yeah. shot a 75 Come, he and was never heard from again bit. listen I he was the betting favorite like Which two years ago two wild. years ago wild so it's been a quite a you know fall from grace for my man Bryson. I was the only guy on earth that liked Bryson. I even bought one Yuck. length irons because some, of Bryson. I had some Bryson stocks. Once upon a time, no, thank God. God, those hats are tough. Only I, my dad can wear that. <laughs> I think you have to be sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or Bryson. 60. Either sixty or you love Reddit. Those are the two. <laughs> <laughs> There's no in between. Uh, um, did you see that if uh, if a live guy wins, they're going to do a selly behind the eighteenth? Okay. I actually am curious.
curious for your opinion on this because you know I'm going to hammer it like I do with just about everything regarding Liv. Here's what I'll say. I don't have to cover golf day to day. Like I I host a golf show. I don't have to be like in the trenches with all the people who go to every tournament. But for me, the chaos that would ensue if a Liv guy won and all these dorks are running on the green, like that's a dream. I I, I honestly think that's one of the most compelling storylines is like they're not – Horrible golfers. Like, they're not no. all washed up guys. Like, mm-hmm. Cam Smith literally just robbed a major from Rory McIlroy last year. Like, mm-hmm. this stuff, this is in the mix here. What? So, I I really would like to see it. I don't know if we will, but, like, I kind of am here for the chaos. It's so cringy, though. The idea oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. I, okay, I just need to get that on the record that it is so <laughs> little brother yeah. of them. Like, hey, look at me. And it's like, oh, please, pipe down. Don't let any of these guys win it and just yeah. go away. But it's, yeah. it's, it's early in the week, but it seems like everyone's playing nice. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like if a live Don't guy emerged, it, like it would be everyone's all, uh, heel immediately once again. And the, the live thing will shine through I think if more, there's success there. I think more than any tournament, because even you'll see at other venues, there will be live guys who get a, a hand. And look, you know, they're still popular guys. But I think mm. more than any tournament there, mm-hmm. you will see a guy, you will see the patrons Tisk tisk all mm. the live guys because they're not fans. They're it's patrons a there. Event, that's, okay? that's right. You can't take your phone in. Yeah. Which is, I just think, the coolest Amazing. thing in the world. It, I just, you know, I long for a time where I wasn't connected. Do you know how good connected. a place? Do you know how good a place has to be for them to be like, you can't bring your phone in? You'd be like, great, fine, I'll throw they, it in well, a lake. No, I'll no, buy I a new phone tomorrow. No, no yeah. problem. Yeah, oh. I just, I've always wanted to. I've, I'm in the draw every year. I've never won, but one day, uh, one day, one day, maybe I'll be like Ben Ennis and win twice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no. He's never oh, you got to bring back hats if you're winning yeah. a second. Yeah. Yeah. He literally <laughs> did walk in like Santa Round to the hats. newsroom. <laughs> Round of hats for the boys. I love it. Okay. Speaking of winning, we got to get some bets from you oh, guys yeah. while you're here. Um, let's do some second tier. Like we talked about the top guys. You're excited yep. about them. Um, let's do like, you know, second tier picks. Justin and I will be writing these down for tomorrow. <laughs> Go ahead, Gunnar. Somebody okay. like. Uh, so, so a guy I like who's outside of the top three, yeah. he's still getting short odds, but I'm I'm pretty bullish on Jordan Spieth this week. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a running golf meme that he has won a tournament on the last two Easter Sundays. Easter Sunday will be Masters wow. Sunday. Uh, some there. people wow. don't have that serendipitous <laughs> magic. Jordan Spieth does. Some guys just have it. So it's a little feel. It's all the magic around the greens. If it gets wet, uh, other guys aren't going to be able to attack par fives the way he can't attack it. So I like Spieth. Uh, A lot of books have him in that kind of 16 uh, to one range. I hate to say this because it's a nightmare scenario for me, but Patrick Cantlay has been <sighs> playing really, really well recently, and he's the most boring man on he, earth. I was just going to say the most boring like, man in golf. Him last he, like, he's, oh, he's, the, he's the least compelling guy, yeah. but like at 18 to 1 as the fifth betting favorite, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy when you look at this leaderboard. Like, I could he's really pick. He's always there, though. That's the thing. And I don't want to do it, but I, I'm, I'm probably not even going to gamble on it because I don't want to see it happen. <laughs> but I really have a feeling that this may be a pan- Patrick Cantlay week, which is I'm sorry to you guys for saying that. The... Other thing that I always love to bet with the Masters is the first round leader. So I great. love that. And because, first of all, if you hit it, which I have, you get a bankroll for the rest mm-hmm. of the weekend. And I always like looking at the later tee off times on Thursday because it always, you know, you get the whole day, you know, you're, you're betting on a guy in the last couple groups that those guys have been watching how yeah, everything yeah. breaks watching. on TV. Yeah. Corey Connors is in the fourth last group. So one, two, three, four. No, the fifth last group with Dustin Johnson and Justin Rose, which is a great group. Wow, it's, it's prime. I'm going to watch that one for sure. Corey Connors always plays well at Augusta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ace. And I just, I love betting on him 
for the first round later. I don't think he's got like I love Corey one last week, but the the putter and big and big when it gets down to Sunday, Saturday, big days, it always lets him Mm -hmm. down. But I really do think on Thursday, I mean, it's still the Masters. There's still pressure, but there's a lot less pressure on Thursday than there is on the weekend. I do like Corey Connors as a first round leader. See, uh, with Corey, it's like. Uh, it, I have it on uh, certain books. Are we supposed to talk about no. the books that we have it on? Or? Uh, just like just wherever you, whatever you're seeing in front of you. You can say. Um, I got I'm it. Talking like 2,000 uh, No, it's plus 4,000. Oh, it's it's, yeah, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my one thing with Corey is like, it's okay, he chugs along, like 400 here, 400 <laughs> here, because he doesn't roll it particularly well. Like normally a guy who's a first-round leader just got to make everything. Yeah. And Corey Connors just and, generally doesn't make so it. So I always typically love Connors as a top 10 bet, but the win last week would have just nuked the odds mm-hmm. on, on anything mm-hmm. you get there. You can still do it, but you're just not going to get anywhere near the and, value you would have normally on a guy like him. And another guy who is in the final group who is a birdie machine and could definitely have a good first round. And in, this is probably pretty crazy to some people, but Tommy Fleetwood, who mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. he stripes it. He can get as hot as anybody with the putter. There is just zero chance he will win the Masters, but he's 40 to 1 as well as a first round leader, go. and he's in the final group of the day. So there you go. those are two things that I always love betting on. Mm-hmm. So as a as far as a pick goes, I'm not going to full out pick Patrick Cantley, but okay. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind spreading All right. a couple Slightly of Slightly longer odds, Del Toris at 4,000 no, uh, to no. outright win. And if no. you want to get really, really, uh, you mentioned he's been playing well. It would be arguably as bad as Cantley, but Justin Rose at 55 to 1 to win the Masters. Stranger things have happened. I got one more for you before uh, we got to put our wake and rake together. Do you guys know who Gordon Sargent is? No. No. I so, only know two uh, topic these little days. preliminary reading. He's an amateur. Uh, plus money on him to be the top amateur. I like the nationality, the mm. top live guy. I've heard a lot. The price is dropping. Heard a lot of good mm. things about Gordon Sargent. Well, where'd you get that? Amateur. Where'd you get that? Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't say books. We can't say. Wow, uh, okay. what a lean! It's not mine. We'll I don't want. I don't want to package yeah. my stuff as other people. What or a other lean! Stuff is Love mine, that. But uh, here for it. <laughs> like if we if we're betting everything, you can bet it all the way down to the amateur Gordon right. Sargent. Uh, okay, guys. Well, we wrote all that down. Um, what's the best storyline? Like, like best storyline you want? If it's, I mean, I think the best story line for golf is Rory McIlroy yeah. beating a live guy in the final. There That's the best. 100%. I think will it to happen. I think a uh, live guy versus Rory in the final pairing is the dream Beautiful. scenario for everyone. A, a live guy beating Rory might be the best. If Cam Smith takes another major away from Rory, yeah. I don't think Gunner will be able to sleep at night. <laughs> no. I think I'd just quit. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah quit. he doesn't want to look me in the eye if that yeah, happens. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, appreciate it. We have more this week. Um, I think you're on JD's show after yep, us. We are. So a lot of us this week. Lots yeah. of you guys. Appreciate it. Um, we'll be placing all those bets. We'll do our Fan X Cup picks tomorrow. So we'll let you know who we pick. Can't Thanks wait. for your advice. Okay, get out of here now. Thanks, guys. So just, we'll just leave? Yeah, just, we'll just walk out yeah, awkwardly? Just okay, get out. Just get out. All right. Wake and rake time. We'll go through some of our anchor picks here, put together our parlay. We've got Jays, Royals, Raptors, Celtics, and Women's World Championships to go through. Where are you leaning to, Justin? Yeah, make it quick here because we only got about five minutes. I'm going to take the over between the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Uh, Calgary's on a second night of half of a back-to-back. They had a really, really disappointing loss last night to the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago not helping itself out. Uh, but these teams have played a lot of overs, and it's hanging at six. So we're getting that extra... I mean, all you get out of a six and a six and a half is you push on a six. Uh, But I think these two teams who have played a lot of overs lately get a little loose tonight. Winnipeg, maybe they put up four and Calgary has uh, has a couple of moments as well. So uh, I'll just go with the over for the game of the night, which is Calgary and Winnipeg, a massive, massive game in the Western Conference playoff race. 
Other game of the night, Canada starting their tournament against Switzerland at the Women's World Championships, uh, obviously on home ice here in Brampton. I'm going over seven and a half in that game. Canada has absolutely steamrolled Switzerland traditionally. I believe last time they played, it was 8-1, and they outshot them 56-6 to traditionally. Uh, Canada has 143 goals against Switzerland, and they have eight all-time 17-0 record. I'm picking that for my wake and rake over seven and a half. I think it's game one of the tournament. You're on home ice. The momentum's high, fresh legs. You want to put the puck in the net. I can see them single-handedly getting the over on that. And quickly, I'll give you my other two picks for today's Women's Worlds. Um, maybe you want to do a little parlay. And listen like... up here. These are historically pretty good. Okay. Women's, uh, women's Worlds parlay. France plus four and a half versus Finland. That one's the only one that I'm a little worried about. That starts at 11. So if you don't feel good about that one, you leave that one out. And Japan and the United States over eight and a half. And Canada, Switzerland over seven and a half. The best of the best playing, not the best of the best. So you just hit the overs on those two. And maybe for France to cover Finland, four and a half. I kind of like the U.S. on the spread too. Because, uh, you know, if we're going to hit the over... U.S. women are going to have to score some goals. And you said a new team, they might be motivated. Mm -hmm. A couple fresh faces to get off on the right foot. Okay, let's run through these anchors. Okay, um, Wander Franco over bases. That's Gary from Caledon. Um, I'm just going to go through Corey from Port Hope here. Minnesota Twins on the money line. Um, Steve from Sutton says Marley's on the money line. Ooh. I kind of like that one. Uh, Chapman over two total bases has hit it in most games. Um, I think all games. OG over two and a half three-pointers. And George Springer over bases. That's Ron and Jules. What's a long text? Scanning, scanning, scanning. Oh, that's it. Okay, you can read them. Okay. Happy Baby Wednesday. Siakam over assists. Blue Jays over runs. Okay, so those are good. Also has some Masters picks. Scheffler, uh, Thomas, and Rom to finish top 10. To win the whole thing, he's going Rory and put anything on Tiger Woods. Could be his last Masters. Anything could happen. That's Curry or Chris currently in Stony Creek. Jarrett from Halifax has a bunch of golf picks. Oh, no, uh, I see Gordon Sargent's he name. He does. Jason Day over Zach Johnson and Gordon Sargent. Uh, Day has resurgence. He also likes Shane Lowry over Hughes and Peters, right? Lowry's mm-hmm. a great driver of the golf ball. Lowry's also been in his last Masters, uh, 21-15 and third. Enjoy the par three contest today. And finally, Sanjay M, three last Masters appearances, uh, second and eighth, and to make the cut. He's a dark horse, Doug. Okay, so let's keep those in the the prop sheet because we're going to do some more Masters stuff tomorrow, and we encourage you to send your Masters picks in. We want to hear them. If it's three-ball stuff, outrights, nationality stuff, Mm -hmm. top lift, like anything that you're interested in, um, uh, we're going to devote the entire Wake and Rake tomorrow to the Masters. As for putting the final parlay piece in place, I think we should roll with Matt Chapman over two bases. Definitely love that. Because we are going to be dialed into Alec Manoa's start against the Kansas City Royals today. Chapman has been nearly unstoppable to start the season. So let's ride the wave and let's uh, see if Chapman can hit another double. Okay, let me just get the bases loaded up here. Um, we're doing bases. Is that right? Yeah, total bases. Over two. I gotta find it. Sorry. Uh... You can play holder minus 110. It'll be okay. in that range for people. Okay, so if we do that, we're going uh, Chapman over bases. Over six in the Flames and Jets game and over seven and a half in the Women's World Championship game for Canada versus Switzerland. You parlay that together plus 576. Sorry, did you find Chapman bases? Because it did say I, I, I shortchanged him a little bit. It's plus 150 from Ian, so it could be good plus money. That could be a nice juicy Let parlay. Let me try that again. Um, over zero, two, one and a half? 
Oh, he's got over two. So maybe that's the difference. We'll do over one and a half, whatever. Whatever you find over Chapman basis um, around plus five. We we want the double to cash. So do the over one and a half. Okay. Amazing. Um, That's your parlay for today. Uh, Big day tonight. Toronto Raptors at the Boston Celtics on a back to back. And you got the Blue Jays again on the road in Kansas City. And Canada starts their world championship March for gold. Once again, defending that against Switzerland. All that tonight. We'll be back on Baby Friday to break it all down. Thanks to the golf guys for coming in and get ready because Master starts tomorrow.